Hey everybody, this is Pastor Jeff Carlson, and I want to welcome you to an episode, kind of a special episode of Beyond Sunday, and uh, I want to welcome to the show Pastor Zach Rainey. He is uh, our resident scholar and studier, and uh, I like to study. He, uh, I know, and you know more things than I probably know, and study things more than I do. So, uh, we wanted to get in today. A couple weeks ago, I, I uh, preached a message about spiritual gifts, and in our whole series, we just wrapped up before Christmas season, uh, kind of about being one in the body, about unity and things like that. Talked a lot about people finding their place in, in the body, talked about conflict in the body and talked about uh, people walking in their gift kind of came from Ephesians four where uh, Paul writes that the Lord gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors um, as well as other, a couple other spots in the new Testament where Paul kind of gives us lists of what we have called in the Pentecostal world, the gifts of the spirit and so talked about some of those gifts being resident gifts and some of them being momentary gifts uh, in given circumstance or situations. And uh, so one thing that always comes up, uh, and if, if our listeners don't know, there's kind of uh, basically, well, you say there's a spectrum of belief on this. Yeah, I think uh, there is. All the way for, so let's talk about that first, the spectrum of belief, all the way from, uh, you know, say fanatical and I call I call them charismatic, fanatical, charismatic. I go, I go even further than you that. do. Yeah, um, crazy. I people? start I start down on the low end with uh, you know there ten, I see ten levels. Okay, ten levels. And, and the the lowest level, like the first floor, is condemnation. People okay. that just condemn any uh, the gifts of the spirit. Uh, I grew up in a church where people would say that's demonic. And you we know. have that today. Yeah. There are even a, a couple of, I don't want to mention names, but there are a couple of prominent, I would say, strongly followed Bible teachers that do that very thing the, to people that operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. The, the next level up for level two is those that just re- rejection, those that just say the church should not exercise the gift of the Spirit, but they won't go so far as to condemn their brothers in the Lord that speak in tongues. Do those instance. people tend to believe that um, the gifts do not exist anymore or they just are uncomfortable with the gifts? What, what I, I think that they would agree that they have ceased. Okay. Yeah. They've stopped. They've ceased. And yeah, we'll talk about that. My in level two. Uh, the next level up I say are people that they seriously question the practice because they don't believe in it. And that I call that discouragement. They discourage any use of it. That's level three. Level okay. four is a person who I say it's neutrality. The person who says, I have no opinion. I have no understanding. I really don't even care about this. So you proceed at your own risk. But that's still cessation. Yeah. They still believe that the gifts have ceased. They yeah. just don't care yeah. about it. And they don't want to make a, you know, they've got people on both sides that are friends of theirs. Maybe. So they're trying to take the middle of the road in Christianity. Yeah. And but not, it's really a negative spot. Yeah, it's right. not neutral at right. all. Right. right. They're actually picking it. a side. Yeah. But they're trying to do it nicely. But that's level four uh, cessationism. Level five is a, a theoretically they believe theoretically that the gifts are scriptural they and could operate today. Could, but they have no desire for that themselves. So I would say there's a number of denominations out there that I would put in that category that they don't they they don't encourage the gifts. They don't encourage you know their people to operate in gifts, but they would not necessarily condemn someone who you know, came and said, Hey, you won't believe what happened today. Yeah. And they kind of land in that. I, I know of a number of in solid, many of them solid 
followers of Jesus just struggle with that? I, I meet people quite a bit that say, well, I, I don't myself, but I understand why you do. Yeah. You know, yeah. which means still puts them in the negative of uh, they right. are cessationists because they don't. If it's in Bible, wouldn't you want to practice it? It's good for, yeah, it's good for you, but not for me. Yeah. But and they would, say, I don't, you know, I like my, I've always tried to live my life. If it's from God, if it's truly God, I don't yeah. want any of this counterfeit stuff. But if it's really God, then I want I want it in my life, whatever that would be, gifts or otherwise. But they would not say that. They would say, I'm uncomfortable with that in my life, but I'm not going to be mad at you that you operate in it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, level six. Now, I start moving now. We're moving into people that want to con- believe the gifts continue. That's what the Bible teaches. Okay. So number six I call limited tolerance. I I, I will allow a limited practice of some gifts. And if God made me speak in tongues, I would do it. You know, that type of, oh, I'll, I'll tolerate it to some degree. Uh, level seven is uh, a kind of a big jump from that one. It's a person of expectation mm-hmm. that encourages a disciplined practice of the gifts of the Spirit. So would you say disciplined more in a private setting? Maybe I'm I'm implying in a you public think, you're thinking like service. in a public church service they would yeah. allow prophecy yeah. or words for, for of instance, wisdom instance, uh, like a lot of healing. I I know some churches that will have a room. Mm-hmm. You can you can exercise the gifts over <laughs> in that room. Go to this room. If you, you have, have the, the Holy Spirit room. Okay, that you go to. Interesting. I've yeah, never heard of in that. the prayer room. Okay, um, but they have but there is there is an expectation of that. Um, um, the next one. Uh, is zeal, a person that zealously promotes a, a very nearly unrestrained use of the gifts. Okay. And number nine is a, fin- I say is fanaticism, someone who wants to incite believers into a normative and non-normative expression of okay. the spirit. So this normative could be positive being biblical, or negative. So what's that? This could be positive or negative. This, well, I mean, we're starting to move now into the extreme. See, when we get into fanatics, in yeah. my mind, because yeah. I picture myself, I'm I'm about a level seven on okay. this scale myself. Where would you put me? <laughs> I I think you're a seven point five. I was gonna say eight. Like I, <laughs> you're I, probably an eight. I feel like I'm probably in the zeal category, where I want the I want the gift. I I will promise you this: nobody in this church wants the gifts of the spirit in operation more than me. Yeah. More than me. Now, there will certainly probably are some folks that are more in the six and seven category. Yeah. And I'm cool with that. I'm okay, I'm okay with that. That doesn't bother me. We probably have some nines and ten. What's your tenth? The, ten, What's your last one? Ten is just error. I go from <laughs> fanaticism into error. And that's the person who believes that the mystical revelations from the Holy Spirit yeah. are more preeminent than even the written word okay you know and that's that, really really dangerous i think it is that's why i call it error i wanted to make it a pretty yeah. uh a word pretty, that stands out pretty hard line so so my my the rainy spectral range of cessation <laughs> and continuation goes from condemnation rejection discouragement neutrality theory limited tolerance expectation zeal fanaticism error i over, would over say the it's just off the off the cuff here because we didn't discuss this before, but I would say Connection Point Church lands in the six plus to I would say eight category. I don't know that we. I would say we have a lot of folks around here who would be below a six in terms of we've, we've ran them off by now. Well, right, right. <laughs> we did early on uh, have a few people that left our church when they I'm, realized if you if you've left our church, I'm just joking. You oh, know, we love you. We do, and we consider you our brothers and sisters in the Lord 100%. strongly. My my big regret um, with 
a couple of those families that did exit early on. And I don't even right. know if I ever met them exited our church early on when they discovered that I was probably an eight on that. I, I on phoned that. a couple families up and said, well, God, God bless you. Yeah, Where are you going to worship? You know? and, and I did the same. I wish we would have been able to have a conversation about it and, you know, sit down and talk through whatever the, the gifts of uh, the difficulty they were having with the gifts were. Um, I, I'll tell you, I, I would want to just as much, run off a 10, an error person or, or somebody who is a fanatical, strange doctrine kind of Pentecostal as I would someone who is a one or a two. Yeah. I can tolerate, I can strive with somebody who's in the middle who says, Hey, I don't understand the gifts. I don't know how they work, but I'll tell you what, if, if those things are the Lord, I'm open to learning about them and experiencing them. And I would say of the people in our church, maybe who aren't filled with the Holy Spirit yet, or who have not operated in any of the gifts we've got, we would have a, a, a group of people there where they're obviously not put off by it, even if they don't understand it. And I'm totally comfortable. And that's why we're doing things like yeah. this. Just I, so we can talk I, through actually, it. Actually, I had someone come to me this last month and say, can I talk to you? And this yeah. is one of their questions. They said, I, I feel uncomfortable. You know, and really, I think some of what we're going yet to talk about, those really aren't the issues. The issue is that sometimes when God does something supernatural that our minds don't really yeah. completely get a hold of, it scares us. Yeah. Now, you you grew up in Pentecost. I didn't. I grew up in a cessationist household. I grew up being told speaking in tongues is demonic. Yeah. And we were, on, we were on 5th Street in Covington, Indiana, same street as the Assembly of God Church. But by the time I reached high school, my mom had met Women's Aglow and, oh, and decided yeah. she better join the Assembly of God where they speak in tongues, you know. So I moved from the church that said it was demonic over yeah. to the church that was speaking in tongues in high school. That's a, You went from a 1 to a 10. Yeah, we maybe, jumped. Maybe not a 10. Maybe not a but 10. Anyway, but anyway, I, I jumped up the spectrum. I didn't yeah. know I had a spectrum back then. I just, yeah. I just thought it was either yes or no. I didn't <laughs> consider there was any variety of it at all. But, well, I've uh, been very encouraged by um, how our people, Connection Point, has responded. Uh, to the move of the spirit, whether that's just a generalized move, like in, in worship or preaching or, you know, altar moments or whether that, or in our prayer service or whether it's uh, in the gifts of the spirit. I, I would say since I've been here, we've had some healings, which is a gift. We certainly, every single week in this church, hospitality happens and helps happens and care happens and pastoral ministry happens and teaching happens. There's like all kinds of gifts happening all over our church. We think of, many people think of uh, the demonstrable verbal gifts yeah. uh, that happen in a public worship service as well, you, know, you were talking about tongues. Yeah, tongues or interpretation yeah. of tongues or even prophecy. And I was going to say, you know, primarily since I've been here, uh, we've experienced prophetic words. Um, we've that not that I know of have we had a tongue and an interpretation. We've probably had some words of wisdom yeah, and words the other, of knowledge. The other Saturday, I had I talked with you about prayer. We were having a prayer training, and you said that you had never heard a man. Yeah. And a, a message in tongues and interpretation. And we went to a second meeting. Yeah. And, uh, and it happened. And Troyer, got, <laughs> Troyer yeah. got something. Yeah. Gives Leon Troyer exactly gave a what message you, in It tongues. was like minutes after you had yeah. said that. And, and the Lord's like, shut up, Jeff. Yeah. God I got knows. this. <laughs> <laughs> but I do look forward to the day that we see some variety of the gifts happen in our worship service. Uh, again, I want to stress the gifts of the Spirit 
are all over our church at various moments in various places and classrooms yeah. and on Main Street and certainly even in our sanctuary as people pray and whatever. Uh, just those verbal or those power gifts sometimes we don't see. And I, I want to say, too, uh, uh, we are on January 21st, uh, which is a Sunday. We're going to do a 9 o'clock class uh, just to unpack a little bit some of the different varieties. I, I call them gift clusters. So you've got a verbal gift cluster. You've got a, uh, a power gift cluster. Uh, so anyway, you can, you can kind of take the gifts and cluster them around um, the, you know, in a cat sort of categorize them. So we're going to do a class just to unpack that for people so they can try to discern and figure out what does God want me to do with what he's put in my life yeah. uh, and all my life. So I'm excited about that. So let me, let me ask you a question. So one of the, one of the arguments of cessationism in somewhere on the spectrum is it's the basic argument of cessationism. It's that the miraculous gifts ceased with the death of the last apostle. So John, the apostle, uh, John the Revelator died somewhere just prior to 100 A.D. Uh, he was exiled to the island of Patmos. We know that uh, at some point we believe he was released and probably died, uh, perhaps in Ephesus or something like that. So John, so John passes away, and with his death, there's no more gifts. So what would you say uh, to somebody who says that's the case? They take they take that from uh, before you answer that. They take that from a couple of. Uh, a couple of passages of scripture where they say the the Bible teaches us that the gifts were only resident in the apostles, capital A apostles. And so since the last capital A apostle died in, you know, say 95 AD, then those gifts died with John. They were buried with John. They use verses like this, Acts 5.12, the apostles, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Or in 2 Corinthians, the things that mark an apostle, signs, wonders, and miracles. So it's clear Paul is saying, like, if somebody claims to be apostle, there better be signs and wonders attached to their life. Uh, and so anyway, the cessationists would say all that ended uh, when John passed away. As the last apostle to die. So, what would you what would you say to someone who's kind of stuck in that mode? And, and I'm kind of saying it behind their back because I'll say some things I wouldn't say to their face. Yeah. Well, you know, when you have a question with somebody, they have a reason they're asking you a question, and it isn't always because they want to debate and they want to show who's smarter. Okay. Sometimes they've got a spiritual conflict, a family conflict, a personal conflict they're going through, and you have to be more gentle. But when we're doing a podcast, I can say things I wouldn't. You know, well, you, you have to assess right. that person. You're right. If if you had never come into Pentecost and you had stayed in your cessationist family, you know, for you to have that concern, it's it comes from your family of origin. It comes from your experience that you've yeah. had in the church that would be absent of Pentecost. So people are coming at it from a particular sort of origin, whether that's family or religion or whatever, and they're coming into a Pentecostal setting going, you know what, we don't think those things aren't aren't accurate because they died with John. They died with John. But there's a, there's a reason that they're, they're asking about that. You know, they've been told that. And one of the things they ought to know is that's a really outdated argument. For mm -hmm. one thing, um, it, if you look at the timeline, um, in uh, 1906, there was an Azusa Street revival. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've heard that was pretty good. I, I didn't make Did it you, there. Okay. I, <laughs> I know I you're going. Sure. Um, in 1907, uh, the uh, Church of God in Christ as a holiness Pentecostal church was switched over. They were an older 
non-Pentecostal church. They became Pentecostal, the Church of God, which is uh, Kajic Church of God in Christ, 1907. In 1914, the very first Assemblies of God General Council was held in Hot Springs, Arkansas. The year after that, uh, 1915, Daniel Powell Williams started the Apostolic Church in Pennygrove, South Wales, United Kingdom, because they didn't believe in the Trinity. So they decided they'd have a oneness Pentecostal movement, 1915. And then two years later, so we have all these big movements in the early 1900s. A guy named uh, Benjamin B. Warfield uh, did a lecture at Columbia Theological Seminary on counterfeit miracles. And it became the hallmark of cessationist theology and it, that's what this argument kind of da- still is. The right? argument dates back to 1917, and it's and it's been clearly shown that that isn't a clear understanding of the scriptures uh, since then. So I mean, and that was in the early when you look at the three waves of charismatic movement. Yeah. That was the first wave stuff. Yeah. So we're still answering arguments from the first wave, and we've gone through the second wave, and we're so we're why do you very think, deep into this third wave movement? You know, like I said, I said many times whether on social media or, or from the pulpit or whatnot, that, you know, there really isn't any other kind of church that we see um, until in the New Testament we see a Pentecostal church full of the Spirit. Even in the epistles we see uh, without apostles present. At, you know, in Corinth, Paul addresses the way they were using the gifts. Yeah. They were doing it some really well and some of it in big-time error, and so he's correcting it, but they didn't have an apostle in the church. Uh, when Paul writes to the Roman church, there were things that were going on that, that were supernatural. Uh, Paul writes, uh, or we have stories in the book, what about Ananias, who was not an apostle, healing, using the gift of healing to heal Paul. Right. So to say that the gifts were only resident in the apostles, even in the Bible, is not accurate. Is not accurate. So, and, it, and it's also not accurate when you look at church history. Yes. Uh, Killian McDonald and George Montague uh, in the Christian initiation and baptism in the Holy Spirit, um, they showed that it was actually the first eight centuries of the church that continued to use these what I'll call extraordinary gifts. It yeah. was not, it did not end 100 or 120. It was eight centuries into the church where we saw this diminishing use of what we call the charisma, charismata, yeah. the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, just, just a couple examples. Um, I love church history, and if you want to learn about church history, there's a great book. It's like 1,200 pages, but uh, it's called Church History in Plain Language, and such a such an interesting book about the the history of the church. But we go back to sort of the the post apostolic, but early church fathers period, and we have church fathers like. Justin Martyrs. Many people have heard of Justin Martyr or Irenaeus or, or even in the Catholic world, Origen, who was a great bishop uh, and did a lot of things. All these guys and many others, just, just case in point here, spoke of, wrote about the miracles that God was doing in their various, you know, uh, seasons of life. So, you know, Irenaeus, for instance, lived from 130 AD to 202 AD, and he writes about uh, how there were prophetic gifts happening, how there were, uh, you know, tongues and interpretation of tongues, that people were being healed. There were things happening in the church. The miraculous, the charismata, was still taking place uh, in the centuries past the apostles, Right. Um, so church history teaches us uh, that this did not die off with John, 
We see it throughout the course of church history. Do, do you have any sense of, you know, if it began to diminish in 800, uh, do you have any sense of, was there something that happened? Was there a change in the structure I, of the I church? Mean, I, would, I would only be guessing that. Yeah. And, well, go ahead and but guess. It, but it's no, We're it's not no, official. Because it's no different than, <laughs> than any church today. Yeah. If you neglect something, it falls into disuse. Yeah. Um, but uh, on the other hand, any Christian today, when their child is sick, they start praying for healing 100%. and miracles, which are two of the I'm, nine. I'm not sure cessationists don't pray for miracles well, when their and, kids are and sick. And it's interesting, you know, when we think of cessationism, the definition, we didn't even give definitions. Yeah, go ahead. I have definitions. Uh, when we look at the definition, I, I have the definition of cessationism. I said it is the view that the extraordinary gifts operated in the early church ceased and do not continue today. Well, I I had ordered one of my favorite um uh, uh, theologians was uh, Norman Geisler. So I got his four-volume theology, and I was excited finally to get the fourth volume because he addressed cessationism, and he defined it in such a way that denies cessationism. He says cessa- <laughs> his definition of cessationism is it is the belief that some of the gifts continue today. Think about that. He uses the word continue so you're a cessationist, but you're a continuationist. Right. So he kind of mm. cheats people yeah. because he proves by redefining it that he doesn't yeah. really believe that the supernatural gifts died with yeah. the apostles. Well, if you read if you read church history, you know, you find the further we got get away, say from the Council of Nicaea, uh, there were always pockets of uh, in that in that day, you know, sort of sort of six hundred to the the maybe the Reformation, just before the Reformation, there were always pockets of, um, you know, monastic movements, Saint Augustine, the things going on in Celtic Christianity, which were full of uh, supernatural things that happened in Celtic Christianity. Yeah. Um, but if you anyway, if you get into those things, you'll find the further the church itself got away, and the more the church married itself to the political machines or the the political society the kings the kingdoms whatever it would be to try to create sort of the king kingdom of god on earth it always corrupted the the purity if you will of the move of god and of the church itself it corrupted the church well and we we had the age of enlightenment where we were moving yeah. away from superstition to let's, intellect let, okay let's explain it all and yeah. i I know this is not this argument, but uh, I feel that the idea that the supernatural gifts no longer operate is a cousin of anti-supernaturalism that claims that, you know, well, okay, we don't need any of those things because we can do it ourselves. We've got theologians. We we don't need a supernatural work of God. Besides, we don't even like that phrase, speaking in tongues and all that. So we're educated enough. We have enough money. And it reminds us of, you know, the church in Revelation, which church was so self-satisfied yeah. that they almost didn't need Jesus anymore. Yeah. And I think that's that's where we've gotten uh, with time. But the, the thing about it is the New Testament is the New Testament. We cannot rewrite it. And cessationists and continuationists, we don't believe that we're continuing to write Scripture. We think that they were they are written. They give us the guide. Yeah. Pentecostals, we believe the scriptures are the guide by which we govern uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And the interesting thing to me is that uh, this idea 
of that when Scripture was written, I know we're going to get to that argument in a minute, when it was written, then the gift ceased. Yeah. So it's either when the last apostle died or it's when uh, the Scripture when was written, the canon. then that closed it yeah. up. But we wouldn't even have the promises of the Holy Spirit yeah. until they were written down for us. So well, it doesn't make what, any sense. I'll tell you what, let's, uh, we're going to call it a day for this one. And uh, we're going to come back with a part two uh, to this uh, discussion on cessationism. And so uh, hang tight and uh, tune in next week. And we're going to we're going to release another episode where Pastor Zach and I continue this discussion because we want people to have the real information, good information. Right. To be able to, uh, even if it's leaning slowly into the gifts of the Spirit. Baby steps. I, baby steps. I'm good with that. I just want people to be moving. I, even myself, I want to, op- in 10 years, I want to operate in a greater level of the gifts of the Spirit in my life than I am today. Yes. And that's what I want for everybody. So we'll be back again with you. We love you. Thanks for listening today. We'll see you soon.